0: Chapter 17 of Hawaiian Sea Hunt Mystery by Andy Adams This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Tomlinson Chapter 17 A Dangerous Dive Biff and Lee were up with the first rays of daylight. After a hurried breakfast they prepared to go ashore. Do you think it's safe to leave the boat unguarded, Biff? Lee wanted to know. No, I don't. I know darn well that Perez Soto would like nothing better than to find the easy action with no one around and scuttle her. What do we do then? We take the chance, Biff said grimly. We've got to. Finding our fathers is more important than all the yawls and all the cesium in the world. Lee smiled in agreement. We're going to be awfully wet when we get ashore. The dinghy was still secreted behind the beach brush. The yawl had no other. "'Couldn't you kind of kick your way ashore, "'swimming on your back?' Lee, Biff asked. "'Sure,' Biff, why? "'Well, here's what you tried to do. "'Jump overboard, turn on your back. "'I'll hand you some dry shorts and sweatshirts, "'hold them out of the water over your head, "'and see if you can make sure that way. "'I'll try, Biff, but I don't know. "'Getting through the surf isn't going to be easy.' probably get the clothes wet anyway. We'll try it, and if they do get wet, the sun will dry them fast. Lee dived into the ocean. He plunged around like a porpoise for a few moments, enjoying and getting the feel of the water. Then he turned on his back and kicked to the side of the yaw. Biff handed down a bundle of clothing, and Lee propelled himself away from the boat with a powerful thrust against its side. Biff slung a pair of binoculars in a waterproof case around his neck and slipped into the water. Lee's progress was slow. His leg thrusts were those of an excellent backstroke swimmer, but unable to use his arms, he couldn't go very fast. Biff stayed alongside him. I'm going ahead when we reach the shorebreakers, Biff called to Lee. I'm taller than you. Maybe I can reach bottom and take the clothes from you before a wave rolls over you. It was a good plan, but the sea has a way of upsetting good plans, and it did this time. Boys in clothes reached shore equally wet. They wrung out their shorts and sweatshirts as best they could, donned them, and headed up the southern slope of the Moana Lower in the area called Kai. They toiled upward, resting at regular intervals. It was hot, tiring work. Their wet clothes clung to their bodies. Perspiration from the effort kept their clothes damp. Even in the heat, Biff found himself shivering convulsively. "'I've got a clammy feeling from these clothes. "'Guess that's why I'm shivering,' Biff said to his friend. "'He hoped it was the damp clothing rather than fear "'for the safety of his father and Hanale Maianelli. "'By noon the boys had climbed nearly three thousand feet. "'Let's take a break,' Biff called. "'By me, fine. "'That was a tough climb,' Lee answered. Biff stretched out. Lee remained seated. ''Let me have the glasses, Biff.'' Biff handed them over, shielded his eyes from the sun and tried to catch a catnap. He was just dozing off when he felt Lee nudge him. ''Biff, Biff!'' The excitement in Lee's voice brought Biff to a sitting position in a hurry. ''What is it, Lee?'' ''Over there, see, about halfway between Kale and the point to the north. Kuana Point.'' ''Yes, but how can I see anything without the glasses?'' Lee unslung them from around his neck and handed them to Biff. Now look, follow direction of my arm. About half a mile, I'd guess, offshore, almost exactly between Kalei and Kuana Point. I'm following you, Lee. Move your glasses around in the tight air of a few hundred yards. See if you spot a dark object on the bottom of the ocean. The boys were looking almost straight down. From his many flights over water, Biff knew that from above one could see through the water to depths of 40 to 50 feet with ease. The water acted as a magnifying glass. He moved the glasses in a tight circle. Then he spotted what had caused all these excitement. Lying on the bottom of the ocean was a dark object. It was slender, about 40 feet long, Biff judged. Do you think it could be, Biff? Think it could be a boat? Biff didn't want to raise either his own or Lee's hopes too high. "'Couldn't it be a coral formation, Lee?' he asked. "'Gee, I don't think so, Biff. There'd be more than one formation of coral around. It's mighty rare to find just a sliver stuck out somewhere in the ocean. Then it could be a boat. A boat on the bottom of the ocean. Huntington's boat? Could be, Lee, but let's not get our hopes up too high.' "'Let's go. Let's get back to the easy action and cruise over there. "'We've got to find out.' Before agreeing, Biff thought about his father and Hank Mayonelli. Should the boys continue the search? After all, the same storm that had forced him and Lee to spend the night ashore could well have caused the fathers to take shelter. Perhaps their parents even now were back at the beach opposite the anchorage, or even aboard the yawl. Biff made his decision.' "'Okay, Lee, let's go,' Biff said. "'The boys reached the beach opposite the Easy Action's anchorage "'in half the time it has taken them to make the ascent. "'Downhill all the way.' "'We'll take the dinghy out,' Biff said. "'Won't do our parents any good if the yawl isn't here.' "'Their haste matched the excitement growing inside them about their find. "'Of course, both knew they could be in for a great disappointment. "'Biff pushed that depressing thought out of his mind.' Lee up the anchor while Biff got the engine started, then went to the cockpit. Biff took the tiller and pointed the yawl's bow directly out to sea. With a careful eye, he measured the distance from shore until he was sure he was about half a mile out. Then he put the helm of the easy action hard over to the starboard side and cruised parallel to the shore. ''Think you've got that spot well marked in your mind, Lee?'' Sure have, Biff. Remember when we spotted it? There was a large oval patch of whitish lava just to the left of where we were resting. I'm sure we can spot it from the sea. Okay, you be the lookout. I'm going to keep this boat on as true a course as I can. I think we're just about as far offshore now as we figured that sunken boat was. What do you think? Looks right to me. What do you want me to do?' "'You take the glasses, keep them turned on the manure lower slope. "'Soon as you pick up that oval lava patch, sing out. "'Aye, aye, Captain.' "'Lee went forward with the binoculars. "'He kept them trained shoreward, aiming them about 2,000 feet up the slope. "'The distance to the spot the boys had in mind "'was greater than they had thought it to be. "'They covered a lot of water.' Biff checked his watch. He hoped they could spot the sunken hulk before the light went. Land ho, Lee sang out, and came racing back over the deck to the cockpit. Oval patch coming into sight, Captain. Here, take the glasses and see for yourself. Biff turned the tiller over to Lee and took a look. There was the patch all right. It was off their starboard bow, still a good two miles ahead. Biff revved up the engine, and the Easy Action's auxiliary pushed the yawl along at a good eight knots. In twenty minutes, Biff timed the run, figuring the miles the yawl would cover at full speed. They were dead opposite the lava patch. Biff cut the motor. "'It ought to be somewhere about here,' Biff said. "'You shin up the mainmast. I'm going to put the yawl in a tight circle, starting right here, and I'll increase the circle every time we make one full turn.' While Lee was climbing the mainmast to a height of about 15 feet, Biff ducked down into the cabin for a marking buoy. This he tossed overside. Its metal weight plunged to the bottom and held. The red and white buoy would be the hub of the circle he would put the yawl into. Biff started the engine again. All set, Lee? Start the merry-go-round, Lee called back. The easy action made a tight circle. Biff edged the tiller away from him, and the second circle was a greater circumference. Biff eased off on the tiller again. The yawl described the larger circle. If the sunken hulk was in that area, there shouldn't be any chance of missing it. The water was clear, the sea calm. Round and round they went. The bobbing red and white marking boy became a mere speck. Biff could barely make it out with his naked eye. Half an hour passed, then another. The sun was slanting downward, not more than two hours from its nightly dip into the Pacific. Hold it, Biff, hold it, came the excited shout from Lee. Biff threw the engine into reverse. He leapt forward and let down the anchor. He turned and looked up at Lee, who, shading his eyes, was peering intently into the water off the yawl's port side. I spotted it, Biff, I'm sure of it. If I haven't, well, you come up and have a look. Lee slid down the mainmast and Biff shinned up. He looked at the spot Lee had pointed out. For a time, his eyes were unable to discover any difference as he squinted, looking down into the water. After several minutes, he did make out a formation, differing from anything around it. It was a dark object. Biff could think only of a whale or some other large sea animal lying on the ocean's floor. "'You're right, Lee, there's something down there,' he slid down the mask. "'But how are we going to find out just what it is?' "'Lee grinned. "'That's easy, Biff. "'You have on board your ship, easy action, Captain Brewster, "'none other than the world's record-holding free-skin diver, "'Likake Maianelli. "'You're going to dive down there,' Biff said, awe in his voice. "'Sure, why not?' "'Well, you're not going to, until we sound for the depth here.' What's the deepest dive you've ever made, Lee? Forty-five, maybe fifty feet if I stretch it a little, Lee replied. Biff got out the sounding line. This was a thin, strong rope. It had a heavy sinker on the end. At intervals of one foot, it had a metal weight to mark off the depth. Biff tossed it overboard. The line seemed to run out endlessly. Biff was afraid the ocean's depth here was going to turn out to be too great for Lee to try a dive. Then he felt the thud of the heavy sinker touching bottom. He drew the rope tight. Here we go, Lee. Let's both count the markers as we pull it up. Biff worked slowly, carefully. They couldn't risk any mistake on their count. When the sinker broke the surface, Biff looked at Lee. How many markers did you count? Forty-three. Does that check with your count? On the nose, Lee. On the nose. I make it forty-three too. Good, I can make that easy. But hey, how am I going to know if it's the right boat? What was the name of Mr Huntington's sloop? The sea islander, Lee. Okay, can you work the boat over a bit? I'd like to be right over her when I make my dive. All right, Lee, take up the anchor, just enough to get it off the bottom, then let it go the second I call.' Biff went back to the cockpit. He pushed the engine starting button. He had to go forward about ten feet and edge the yawl to the port about fifteen. He shoved the tiller away, putting the boat to the port, and went forward about twenty feet. Then he pulled the tiller to him, put the yawl in reverse and came back. Let her go, he called out. He felt the anchor grab. It must be almost alongside the sunken object. Lee came back to the cockpit, darted into the cabin and came out with a small anchor. It was a spare for the dinghy. "'What do you want that thing for?' Biff demanded. "'A oh, weight. I'm going down with it. It will pull me down a lot faster than I could swim, and forty-three feet is a lot of water.' "'I'll say it is. You all ready?' Lee nodded his head. He had changed into brief, skin-tight swim trunks. He walked over to the starboard side of the yawl. He took some wooden matches and hurled them into the water. "'What's that for?' Biff asked. "'I want to find out if there's much flow here. "'If there's any current, I have to judge my dive by the current.' They watched the matches. They seemed to bob up and down in the same place. Lee had tossed them about ten feet from the yawl. As they watched, they saw the distance between the yawl and the matches closing. It was closing all right, but slowly.' Know all I have to, Biff, very slight current. Nothing to worry about, nothing I have to figure on particularly. Here I go. Before Biff could even call good luck, Lee, the small anchor held in front of him, plunged into the water. The wait for Lee to surface began. End of chapter 17